heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. Well, welcome back, Growth Junkies. Ben and Kent here again in studio with another uh, fun topic of discussion today for us. Uh, coming to you from the four dimensions of human health, we are going to talk about communication today, which is out of the second section of the curriculum on becoming relationally healthy. It's number 2.7, and we have not covered this topic yet. However, on the heels of family of origin, things that we just did in interviewing our parents and discussing that, plus uh, fear, shame, and guilt, all the various things, and the dynamics, I think, of what our culture and society is experiencing right now. Communication is a really important topic, don't you think, Kent? Yeah, it's a big one. I think we've hit on it um, in many different podcast episodes. We've talked a little bit about it, but we've never done a whole episode dedicated to communication. Because communication is a big deal. And I I think I've told our listeners before that I was a pastor for a long, long time. And I would say probably the two biggest problems with marriages, whenever I do marriage counseling, (laughs) is finances and guess what communication, communication. And yes. sometimes it's communication about finances that's even worse <laughs> that, yeah yeah but that's a big one the inability to communicate well in a relationship not, not just in marriage but all relationships mm-hmm. is a real problem and today we should talk about some of the reasons why there's problems some of them are physical some of them are emotional yeah. some perhaps mental or social there's a lot of reasons why people struggle and there's a big rabbit hole here like where my mind instantly goes when i think about a topic like this is i go kind of straight to history like the history of communication and how it's changed right there's always been like the verbal word of us exchanging in language and having a discussion about something and then you have your scientists who study like body language and how the role that that plays. Like, I think there's some weird statistic, like 95% of all communication is body language or something. Yeah. They call it, I think it's called paralinguistics. And I remember I taught a class at Grand Canyon university on this mm. and it was one of the topics was body language or paralinguistics. In other words, it's what your body is saying. And is it 95% or is it less? I think than it's that? 90%. If I Something remember correctly, like 90%, which, which is huge. I mean, what it means, and I remember teaching this and talking about the class is that when your body language disagrees with your words, people will always assign more credibility to what your body is saying. So in other words, your words don't matter. It's your body that actually communicates. Why do you think that is? I think because people think you're more honest in the way that your facial expressions are or your posture, whether you're leaning, you know, one way or the other. People can lie. I mean, I was just thinking this morning, <laughs> people lie all the time Uh-oh. and we don't always know what they're lying about. I, I'll never forget. I'm going to throw an old friend under the bus here. He, I don't think you'll mind, but he, one of my, my good friends in high school when I got married, I'll never forget at the um, rehearsal dinner, he had told me all these stories over the years about all the girls he had dated and like what a Mac daddy he was. <laughs> and and I really believed him. Mac this is a, daddy, you just well, threw out that. We used to say that. It's like a day. 1980s term. Totally. We start singing other songs, but then we bring out old terminology. The, too. the Mac it. daddy. Yeah. You know, okay. He <laughs> would brag to me and tell me, and he's he was like one of my best buddies, about all these girls he would mm. go out with. And he would tell me stories about where he'd met them and all their conversations and how they were kissing and whatnot. And he would tell me this stuff and I'd be all envious and jealous. <laughs> and then I'm getting married and literally he's in the wedding party. And the night before we walk down the aisle, he says, hey, I got to tell you something. 
He said, I, I, I need to admit something. I need to come clean on something. You know, all the stories I told you about those girls I dated lies. Why, why do you think he felt the need to have to tell you at that moment? I don't know why he had to come clean the night before I get married. It's, I don't you have to ask him, but I remember thinking like, dude, you've been lying to me all these years. Mm. And there are so many stories about people are, I mean, look at Facebook, look at social media. A lot of it's lies. Honestly, people are making up stories about what they want you to believe about how they live. So the reality, Ben, is that people are incredulous. They don't believe what they see. They believe what they're experiencing. And so if your body, your language, your expression, your tone doesn't agree with your words, they're going to totally go with that. Yeah, and there's a dynamic sense, too, of being in the same room with one another and having communication versus being on a screen. Like there's a breakdown there. There's a look and a feel and a sense you get in a room when two human beings are present that doesn't necessarily play into that. If you're having a digital conversation, I'm sure plenty of our listeners can attest to this with the amount of time we've all spent on zoom in the last year and a half Mm -hmm. and what that is like, you can pick up something like in a facial expression, disgust has a facial expression, Mm -hmm. has an emotion tied to it and you can Mm -hmm. see it and sense it and feel it and not just hear it in words. So this is why the dynamics of communication are so important. So that was like the first place my mind went to was like the whole body language and our personal discussion. And then you threw out like social media and I think about technology and my mind goes even to like the origin of communication guys like Westinghouse and Bell and Tesla and Mm -hmm. electricity and the phone and then the introduction of all these things and how it's changed culture. But then now what we see with, digital technology and those products and how that's changed communication. Mm -hmm. How does this impact all the various ways we try to interact with one another is, is a big question for us. Well, I think, I think you, you landed on something really important is that a lot of our communication is either written or it's posted or it's texted. And that's why we have the great advent of emojis, (laughs) the emoji. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But why did they create emojis? Because words need language, body language to go with them or facial expression. (laughs) We reduce our emotions down to little colorful characters. And honestly, they fail a lot of times, like a lot of emojis. You don't know what they mean. You know, some of them are commonly used. But you and I have our favorites, you know, like the smiley face one is always there. The crying one we use a lot or the praise hands or the praying hands. But the reality is you're trying to communicate something because in the past, mm-hmm. all you had was lowercase and uppercase. Either you are normal or you're angry. What about the the angry face with the box covering the mouth and the symbols? What's that one stand for? Yeah, that means I'm losing my stuff <laughs> and I'm really upset. And so there's a, but there's a lot of emojis that we use to communicate mm-hmm. more, almost more effectively than our words. Cause words without a context are difficult to decipher. What does it say about our culture? The fact that we've come to a place where we've had to resort to little colorful characters to explain our emotion now. I think it says that in we, messaging like this, we've gotten lazy. I think that we mm-hmm. have, I think it reveals a struggle in communication. We struggle to communicate. And I think a big part of that is, is to understand and be understood. Mm. I, there's a lot of breakdown in communication. A lot of people talk past each other or over each other. Mm. We have lost the art and the science of communication. Yeah. So maybe it's a good time to stop and talk a little bit about what is the art and science of communication. There's actually important parts of communication that we need to understand. Communication, for example, needs two people, Ben. 
Yeah. The fact is, if there's only one person talking, that's not communication. That's just a monologue. And you can monologue into a wall or into outer space. But if no one's listening and responding, you don't have the loop of communication. Yeah. So communication needs a speaker and a listener or a sender and a receiver. And the reality is, unless there is a message that is sent from sender to receiver and the receiver responds, you don't have communication. So you can see why there's a problem when we're not communicating to other people well, Mm -hmm. when people aren't listening to each other, when we're not giving feedback to each other, there's, it's very difficult to have effective communication. And that's why we have breakdown in relationship. Marriages fall apart because we don't Mm -hmm. communicate well. You know, I, I know a lot of people like when they get angry, they don't listen well anymore. <laughs> they just pontificate. Yeah. They talk or they right. yell. And, and and people spend a lot of time thinking about what they're going to say next rather than hearing what the person is saying to them first. Yeah, they bulldoze in communication. Absolutely. They leave no space for other people to use words or to have a perspective or to give insight or ask a question. Yeah. And so here, here's a test run. I challenge you, growth junkies, next time you're out with friends, <laughs> just pay attention to how people talk over each other. Oh. Like how people really no longer let anybody finish a statement or they finish a sentence for them. Now, I'm guilty as charged. That's something I struggle with. I'm the kind of guy that the brain moves quickly and I'm always thinking about what someone's saying and I feel like I can finish the sentence for them. But you know what that does? It actually devalues them, mm. especially if I get it wrong. Mm. But I'm telling you it's epidemic. This epidemic of talking over each other happens all the time because mm-hmm. we're terrible at listening. Mm-hmm. We're terrible at letting people speak to us, listen to it, mm-hmm. formulate a response, and then speak back. And so I think there's a lot of impacts or reasons we learn this and the impact that it has on our society and our relationships. I'm trying to figure out like where we learn it. I, I'm right. kind of convinced we learn it as teenagers maybe. <laughs> and maybe that's because I have two at home right now and you just watch them trying to compete for uh, time yeah. or compete to be heard within their groups. Yeah. And and that's so interesting to watch. And, and then to ask them about that is like, do you feel like you have to compete to get a word in edgewise with your friends and whoever's the loudest or most dominant gets mm-hmm. the floor the, uh, the most in those discussions? And I yeah. I think that's true. I don't know if we particularly learn it early on in life in those social groups, but it definitely happens in our social settings. I think we learn at the dinner table, you Oh, know, <laughs> you know, cause we get around the dinner table, at least in my family growing up is that everyone has something to say and you got to fight to get a word in like, Hey, I want to say something like raise my hand or pound the table and say, I got something to say. My wife had this experience when she married into my family, <laughs> we would go out to eat and she would sit there for an hour not saying a word. Mm. And and we would never even think to stop and say, hey, Stephanie, what do you think? Why don't you say something? Because we're so busy jabbering. Mm. So we actually had, there was a joke where my, I think my dad pulled out like a $5 bill and said, Steph, I'm going to pay you $5 to hit the table and say, I have something to say. <laughs> Just to jump in and say something. But we actually, if you live in a world in which you have to fight to interject, to get a word in, mm. a lot of people aren't going to want to do that. They're just going to be quiet. And not interact. And I think you are, in a sense, characterizing the way society functions as a whole right now with communication. Right. We talk about later in this session about noise. Mm. And we just live in a noisy society. Right. Culturally, socially, 
uh, in media, everywhere. It's constantly trying to fight through that and and figure out what you want to listen to, what you want to interact, interact with, what you want to share, right. how to share it is just can be overwhelming. And, and I think that if I had to choose a word that dominates the discussion, it would yeah. be noise. It, it is just very, very noisy. It is. I think the noise um, is a real problem. I think another problem, especially that's been surfacing the last year with COVID, is a, a sense of people, they want to say something, but they don't know how to say it. Or they feel like it's not safe to speak up. Yeah, like there's that too now, right? Yeah, a lot like, of people I think are intimidated to say, I can't say anything without getting clobbered one way or the other. You can't really say what you want to say. No one's free to speak anymore. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk about like tolerance in conversation or in mm-hmm. communication in which the way that used to function was people had the right to speak up and say something and not be judged just for saying it. But now it's like you say something. You know, and you don't agree with me or I don't like what you have to say, I'm going to cancel you. Well, and you bring up a really good point, too, is the distance in communication now that's been created because of so many digital platforms being used to disseminate ideas that really should be reserved for a room when people are present. Right. Because when people you get them in a room together, it almost always lowers the intensity Uh, especially like I found this just meeting with couples. Sometimes you put a husband and wife in front of you and you have them start talking about something difficult. That buffer of that third person, especially it it doesn't happen the way it would happen at home probably. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to watch that. But I think with all the access we have now to just communicating whatever we want by hitting a button or writing a message and sending it doesn't allow for that that kind of sensitivity and buffer that's needed for good communication. And people can say really cruel and horrible things. Oh, people can do all kinds of crazy stuff behind the computer screen. I think the advent of email actually results in a lot more <laughs> criticism. You know what I mean? People say what they want without nuance. Yeah. And hit send, right? Yeah. And, then, and it's over. And how many times is like, how can I, re, you know, rescind that? Because the fact is we talk past each other. We talk over each other. A lot of our communication is not in person because you're right. We say things to other people we would never say to them to their face. Look at people in their cars. <laughs> I see their mouths moving, yeah. you know, and they're yelling at other drivers and stuff. I'm like, you would never say that to the person if they're standing in front of you. Yeah. So we have destroyed the art of face-to-face communication because the reality is when we're sitting in a room together, we can read each other better. Mm-hmm. We can understand each other better. We can reassure the relationship. I, I even have a rule now. It's a rule I started a few years ago. <laughs> I will no longer do conflict digitally. Mm. I, if there's something that's wrong or I need to have a hard conversation, I'm going to have that person to person. Yeah. Eyeball to eyeball because it never goes well when you're doing yeah. conflict digitally. Yeah. So there are rules that we need to relearn about how we communicate to one another. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, anything outside of a face to face conversation lacks all the nuances that mm-hmm. we, we get when we're in person. Yeah. So you have to make up for that in one way or another. So maybe it's emojis or maybe it's <laughs> extra words Maybe it's um, extra emails, you know, or what we <laughs> do today, text. ha ha, yeah. LOL, whatever. <laughs> we add those words to sort of lighten something yeah. if we want to communicate. The reality is that stuff doesn't land well. So if we're going to communicate in a digital age, we need to really think about how we're going to do that. When you and I even come from an era where receiving a letter in the mailbox was an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the aspects I think we've lost w- with communication also is is the excitement in communication, the, the ability to look forward to something. Even if you go back to original, uh, you've got mail. 
mm. and how much people would look forward to those things. Like communication happens at such a rapid pace now mm-hmm. that it's hard to even look forward to anything. Oh yeah. To, to send a message, to wonder and to think about how that message was received. And if the person got, send you were say, say you were sending a nice letter to someone and you wanted them to hear it and then you were going to receive a response mm-hmm. and the amount of time that it would take for that to happen mm-hmm. and all of the things you would think about and then receiving that letter back like it just doesn't happen that way anymore right. it's it's been interesting to watch my my daughter and her friends will send like written letters to each other in the mail like it's this mm. uh, very nostalgic or unique thing that they've discovered mm. like you write a letter put a stamp on it put it in a mailbox and someone receives it so and why it, does that matter so much? I th- do you think it's because it takes effort and someone yeah, puts some thought into may, what they're writing on a piece of page rather than just typing it out on a keyboard? That's possibly true. I, yeah. I, I go to like even the movie, the Christmas story. I remember he wanted the decoder ring or whatever that thing was right. that he got in his oval team and right. how excited it was to get it to decode the message and mm-hmm. the communication. Then he was obviously mm-hmm. very distraught over the fact that it wasn't what he thought. He was like, what right. the heck, you know, this thing, you know, <laughs> But the, the looking forward to and the eagerness and the excitement is that if we could just value our communication at that kind of level again, right. to be thoughtful about our words, to think right. through really what how it's landing for people and what is coming across, mm-hmm. especially for like us at Love and Transformation Institute, how is the way that I'm communicating, mm. am I running it through that filter? Is, is this the most loving way that I can approach this? Right. Is this the most loving thing I could say? Or what would be the most loving thing to do or say in this situation mm-hmm. can be sometimes challenging to figure out. Yeah. So let's do this. Yeah. Let's talk about three skills of communication that will be helpful to our listeners, to the growth junkies. And they come in based around three concepts, noise, context, and feedback. I don't know if I possess all these skills yet. Well, you're, you actually, you, you do pretty well, Ben. So when I talk about them here, <laughs> I want you to weigh in. So oh, I wrote okay. these down, but there's Thanks. three concepts when it comes to communication that we want to talk about. Noise, which Ben mentioned already. Mm. Context, which is really important. You have to have a context for communication, right. which actually involves body language, paralinguistics, you know, emojis, all that other stuff <laughs> becomes a context for communication. Yeah. And then third, feedback, which is a difficult concept, but it's really important. Like I said, yeah. you don't have communication unless you have a closed loop, which means there's a sender, a receiver, and then there's a return of communication. Mm-hmm. That's the feedback. So there are three skills tied to each of these. And the first one, noise that we'll talk about here. The skill of communication that I want to talk about is focus. We are really unfocused these days. Ooh, and, and with all the noise and the chaos and the distraction that pervades our lives, mm-hmm. it's difficult to be focused. But in order to communicate well to somebody, yeah. you need to focus. Focus on the person across from you. Focus on the person receiving the message. Focus on what you're saying and how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. But to tune in or focus on the person in front of you is a communication skill that has largely been lost. And it's being challenged today by all this noise that we live in. Well, and so in saying that it's been lost, you're alluding to the fact that there are times in the past where it was maybe more present. Is that where you're coming from with that? Well, yeah, let me, let me put it this way. I had a conversation with a client uh, about a week ago about this and he's a businessman and he was talking about things he can do to focus more in his personal meetings. Mm. And one thing we talked about was what he does with his cell phone. 
So he, he has his cell phone out on the desk and you either have it up or you have it down or it's on buzz or it's on ring. And he would check it regularly, you know, when things would come in urgent messages and whatnot. Um, he would also have a computer available. So he'd be typing in things as people were talking and he'd have his phone going over here. Sure. So there was all these distractions and conversations. So what we talked about was removing all of those, putting the phone away, closing the computer, getting a notepad. And he actually agreed to do this and have a pen and a notepad in front of him and give his full undivided attention to the person mm. in front of him, whether it was digital, like a Zoom call, or whether it was in person. But what that communicates to the other person and allows him to really key in to the conversation he's having and think about what that communicates to the other person. I'm focused on you. You're the most important person in the world at this moment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to remove all distractions to let you know that this conversation is meaningful and I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. And we're having to literally do that for ourselves now because to generalize, we all got sucked into a communication whirlwind starting in about 2006 or seven. Right. Where none of us would have expected all these, these different inputs pulling for from from us for communication all the time mm -hmm. and expecting that we would respond to them regularly. I mean, think about the expectation of communication now today mm -hmm. compared to 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Just like even in our, our most closest relationships, what we expect from one another in communication, it's almost instant. Yeah. Compared to the days like I grew up and, you know, I'm 45 now, but I still remember the days when there really wasn't an answering machine. Yeah. Like if someone called you and then wanted to leave a message, they couldn't. They just kept calling. Yeah. They'd call back later at seven o'clock at night when they think you're home from work. Right. Do you remember also like sitting in the room and talking to each other? <laughs> you know, oh yeah. Like as opposed to texting each other in the same room. I mean, they, they do this now that we'll actually like text each other because we won't look each other eyeball, eyeball to eyeball. Let me ask you a question, Ben. I'm going to ask you and all mm. the growth junkies out there. When's the last time you had a completely focused conversation with somebody without them checking their phone constantly mm. or looking over your shoulder or looking at the computer or something else in their hands, fidgeting, but the ability to actually focus on you where you felt like you had their full undivided attention. Yeah. When's the last time you had one of those conversations? Well, and I think, I mean, I feel like I end up in them often. I don't know how often. Is it because you create them? Well, I don't know that. I, I think sometimes I try to. But I think also like others are starting to try to do that a little bit more as well. I think the point about focus mm -hmm. is a really, really good one because of, in a sense, what I said earlier is we all got sucked into this whirlwind and then it starts pulling at us and you start, you, you realize like this is not good and, and it feels out of control. It feels overwhelming. Right. Right. And so you have to start making your own decisions about what you really value when it comes to communication mm -hmm. and you have to start saying no. Yeah. And cancel and delete things from your life that just detract from the ability to be focused. But yeah, you're so, right. We are very unfocused in our communication. So it does mean putting the phone down. You know, it does mean turning off the music or the TV. It, it does mean all the background noise and all the conversation and whatever. It's bringing things down in volume so you can have a conversation with somebody and your eyeballs actually connect. Yeah. And you can actually focus in, number one, communicate value to them. But secondly, be available to be able to pick up what they're projecting. So reading the communication, not just what their words, but what are you missing in their body language yeah. or their tone of voice or their facial expression? People, they, they say the, you know, the eyeballs are the windows to the soul. Mm. 
well, how are you going to see the soul if you don't look at the eyeballs? True. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're not going to know what they're all about. Yeah. So that is a lost art and a lost science, the ability to focus in a very distracted environment. And yet we have to push back on that. Yeah. So here's my, here's my tip for focus. Okay. Exercise your opt-out. Mm. Is your personal opt-out. Mm-hmm. Start looking at your life and going and, and making decisions about just how you want to communicate and choosing to not do things that are just pulling from you. Right. You don't have to do everything in the way that you feel like it's telling you you need to do it. Yeah. And exercise your personal opt-out. Yeah, and I have another little one, easy, easy one to add to this. Look at their eyes. Yeah. We have not learned to have eyeball-to-eyeball contact. Yeah. There are... S- so many days that go by where I look at people then they look down or look away or they look up, but they don't actually look at anybody. We've lost eye to eye contact and there's something powerful that happens in that exchange. So just try that. Try looking at somebody in their eyes when you're talking to them. Yeah, and I think one of the other topics we've talked about that ties into that one really specifically is shame. Yeah. I don't think people like to look at each other because there's a lot of shame. Sure. That's my own personal theory on it, but yeah. anyway. Well, there'll be a lot of reasons why, which is why it's a skill. It has to be developed. Yeah. It might be uncomfortable. Right. You know, and some people don't like to look at other people's eyes, but the reality is that is something you can do to focus more. Mm-hmm. Because when you're locking eyeballs with somebody, you can't help but focus. It's right. hard to be distracted elsewhere. So that's number one. Under context, uh, context is a bit important thing in communication. Every message has a context. And so we mm-hmm. mentioned like emojis, body language, the, the sound in a room, the music or the TV in the background, you know, and, and even body language that surrounds the message. There's a lot of things right. that need to be considered that are called context. So what can we do to push back against Contexts that make it difficult to communicate. For example, how many communication uh, conversations <laughs> do we have, like in the car while we're trying to drive somewhere and we're talking, and you know, to somebody across the country, and then there's time lapses, and it's two in the morning here, uh-huh. seven p.m. there. Yep. There are just so many different things that really affect our conversations. There needs to be a skill that we can apply to enhance the context of a conversation. So you want my feedback on this one? Of course <laughs> I do. perspective? Give me, give me perspective. Here, here would be my, this is what goes through my head when it comes to context. Mm-hmm. Give people the benefit of the doubt because you're not that important. So tell us what you mean by that. Well, people have lives. Like we mm-hmm. all have stuff going on and, and sometimes people are. Like if I say, exercise your personal opt-out. I got to be patient and understand that other people might be too if I'm exercising mine, right? And to be, give people the benefit of the doubt. Like you were saying, it could have been late at night and what they said didn't come across great because they were tired or there's just not great moments to have conversations and things like that to think about the other person in communication. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And here's Mm. the reality. You're not that important. Mm. And I'm not that important. People don't have to get back to me within 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have to get back to me within 24 hours. Like there's all these requirements and expectations we place on people's communications that in many ways are driven mostly by how our society operates at a speed that no one can keep up with. Yeah. And so Henry Cloud wrote wrote a book years ago called The One Life Solution. And the whole purpose to that book really was about the culture no longer sets limits for you. You have to set your own limits. Mm-hmm. You don't have to return emails at nine o'clock at night, which plenty of people do, mm-hmm. or they spend time at night returning emails that didn't get done during the day. Mm-hmm. Like we blow through all that stuff. So that's what I come back to. I hope that made sense in what I was saying of, of just give other people the benefit of the doubt, 
hopefully they will do the same for you and you're not that important. Well, I think so. So to your point, I think it's um, awareness is what it is. It's, it's an ability <laughs> yes, to, yeah. to be aware of the fact that it's okay if they don't get back to you right away, or it's okay if they don't respond the way you expected them to, or to, to, to be able to roll and be flexible with, with people um, to be able to, and here's the word I was going to use that really plays into this is attunement. Yeah. There's this concept called attunement, which is the ability to really, uh, it's like when two instruments are tuned to the same note. When you play the same note, they sound like they're in resonance. So it's a sense of attuning with or aligning with somebody else. So you understand what they're up against. You oh, understand man. who they are. You understand their context so that you can relate to and be aware yeah. of how you're being perceived and experienced. And that's such a good concept, yet so challenging today where mm -hmm. everyone seems to be playing different tunes. Right. It's hard to really find that. So in our closest and most special relationships that we're connected to is maybe easier to find. Yeah. But can be misperceived so widely in other relationships. So too, the right? skill of attunement, this is yeah. important, is not about waiting for the people to get in your tune to get in tune with you, the skill of attunement that will enhance your communication and, and affect the context in which you do it is your ability to attune to others. In other words, you take it upon yourself to find what note they're playing and get in that same note. Yeah. So you enter into their lives, into their shoes and their experiences. And this goes hand in hand with something called empathy. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to step in and say, you know what, like for example, Ben, so, so, you, you might not know this, listeners, but Ben doesn't always return text messages. He's, <laughs> he's not the most textual guy out there. But I know I'm that not. Ben's life, he has priorities. And he's not always going to respond because he's got other things he's attending to. I know that. And so I don't expect Ben to respond to every text message I send or within 24 <laughs> hours. I don't expect that. And that's okay because I try to tune into the fact that Listen, I know that you had an anniversary this weekend. Yeah. You had Mother's Day, you know, then you yeah. had an anniversary. You have all this stuff Birthday. going on. Yeah, all that stuff. And right? you also have values about not responding to stuff on the weekends. And I know that about you. So I don't expect I'm going to hear back and that's okay. That's an effort to tune in and say, I think I understand how Ben communicates and how he operates. Well, part of it is in our relationship, we understand each other because we have a face-to-face -face relationship that right. goes beyond digital communication. Mm -hmm. You know, I also practice in my own life. I've found myself, I've stopped at times getting ready to send texts to people. And I look at the time that I'm about ready to push send and I go, mm -hmm. they're at home at night with their family right. or they're probably having dinner. I'm going to assume that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to throw something into the middle of their world if I can choose to not. So you know what that is? Right? That's attunement. It, it's you attuning to other, other people. It's not like what's convenient for me. It's what's convenient for them. Yeah. It's understanding. So it's like rather than saying, hey, I, I just emailed somebody and they haven't responded. They must be mad at me. It's changing the narrative and saying, you know what? They must be really busy. I'm sure I'll hear from it at some point. Yeah. It's okay. So we tend to get really disappointed and frustrated when we expect everybody else to attune to us. But that's not attunement. Yeah. Attunement is a skill you develop to attune to others. And that was my other point about you're just not that important. I'm not that important. Yeah. Right? I, I, I really reflect on myself. I don't, I don't need to expect everybody to communicate to me in the speed in which I think they sure. should do so. Sure. You know? And part of that's that that's the awareness that we're yeah. talking about. Number three, for the sake of time, feedback is a whole nother piece of communication. The idea of getting feedback, which is scary for a lot of people. They, <laughs> 
Unless you give me positive feedback, I don't want to hear yeah. it. But in reality, feedback comes in two forms, positive and negative. But the reality is that you're not going to really grow unless you get some negative feedback because mm-hmm. you're never going to see your blind spots. Right. So there's something that's valuable that we need to do. And it is, um, it, it's a form of inquiry. It's a scary question, but it's actually gauging how we're being experienced or understood by the other mm-hmm. person. So it's asking questions like, um, how, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Have it, does this make sense to you? Mm. H- how are you feeling about that? How, and here's the scariest one. Or how are you experiencing me yeah. right now? But you then you're inviting feedback from other people, and it requires you to listen to that feedback, to actually be willing to engage with it and take it, whether it's positive or negative. And you know that you're great at communication when you're not only interested in communicating with somebody else, but actually getting feedback from them mm-hmm. on how they're experiencing you. That's a skill. And a real caution I want to give, because this is a skill and it's a really important one to ask for it and to really desire it and look for it and to learn from it. There's a flip side to this a little bit that I've experienced in the past and I have seen in corporate structures and settings with leadership where sometimes manipulative, manipulative leaders can control communication from the middle. Sure. Where there's there's stakeholders mm. in, in various sides and, and they're in the center of it. Right. And they want one group to understand one thing and another group to not understand another. So they almost build these kind of uh, mm. relationships with those groups that makes them feel very warm and charismatic and whatever. And they get feedback and exchange and they're doing something totally different with the other group, but it mm. leaves them in the center. Yeah. And they are allowed to control it because they control communication. So. Right. My only caution would be to make sure that the feedback is, if you can control it yourself, right? You're looking for genuine feedback from people to be a growth junkie, right? To add to your benefit and growth as a person, right? Like that's the skill we're talking about here. Yeah. But also understand when you're dealing in leadership situations, just ask yourself the next question. Why, how does this person really lead? Why are they asking me some of these questions? I'm not saying to be like looking for a witch hunt or anything like that. But sometimes it's being used against you and you just have to be really careful. I've seen it too many times. In Absolutely. Leadership. Well, feedback, honestly, feedback isn't feedback if it's controlled or manipulated because <laughs> you're only getting what you want to hear. Yeah. And the reality is you're not interested in listening. You're not really interested in growing if all you want to hear is the positive or the things you want to hear from other people. And here's the thing. People know that they know that you don't have ears to hear. They know that. And here's, here's something I want to warn you about. If you're in an environment, everyone around you always speaks glowingly of you in your presence. You have a, you have a dishonest environment. Oh. You've created an environment that you control the communication mm. and people are too afraid to speak openly and honestly. The reality is that if you want feedback, you need to, you need to be willing to hear it honestly, not control it, but to receive it, which means creating avenues for feedback inviting it, asking for it, creating safe environments for people Mm. to respond to you. Feedback is incredibly important. And if you want to really grow and you want your organization to be healthy, you want both. You want to get both of those from your people. And so I find that blowing smoke in the, in the work environment or the home environment doesn't really help. Right. It's just, it's, it's a smoke screen and it doesn't build the environment. So feedback is incredibly important. And feedback is, is all about soliciting honesty from people you're interacting with mm-hmm. and wanting to know really, and even saying to them, listen, it's safe. I'm not going to fire you. I'm not going to get <laughs> mad at you. I'm not, we're not going to have a fight about this. I really want to know how you feel. Give me something. Tell me 
something positive, tell me something negative that yeah. I can use. It's kind of scary, but we do these things even at, here at LTI called the 360s. Yeah, I was just thinking about the 360. What's a 360, yeah. Ben? Tell our listeners what that is. Well, it's an assessment where a questionnaire is put out to a group of individuals, could be from a variety of different aspects of your life, and then they give anonymous feedback, mm-hmm. basically. Well, they don't give anonymous feedback to the person doing the review, mm-hmm. but it's anonymous to you as the receiver of the right. feedback communication. They answer a bunch of questions about you and how you enter interact in different situations and then as one who does reviews of these things and then presents them to to a client um, you in a sense correlate all of what you see in here to go give the person good profitable feedback and understanding some of those things are hard to hear but it's presented in such a way that's helpful to them for their leadership and for their growth yeah and so honestly if you're looking for a practical thing that you can do and a challenge honestly do a 360 <laughs> do yeah, a 360 right. honestly you know we can help with that there's a lot uh-huh. of people out there can help coaches can help with that counselors can help with that leaders can help you with that but the reality is you want to get honest feedback from people and and, and quite honestly you will communicate something about yourself mm-hmm. when people perceive you as somebody that's interested in getting honest unfiltered feedback they will respect you more if you come across that way. So I would encourage you, if you've never done a 360, do it. Yeah. You, you choose five to seven, typically five to seven right. people, you know, peers, bosses, employees, friends, whatever. And they get to give this honest feedback and it comes back to you and you get mm-hmm. to hear how you're perceived and experienced by yeah, people. Right. And that information should be used not to offend you, but to encourage you and inspire you to get better, mm-hmm. to grow. And, and honestly, if you want to be a great communicator, you need to value feedback. <laughs> You need to value feedback. You need to cut through the noise by learning how to focus on people in front of you. You need to control the context by attuning with other people. You taking that responsibility. And the third, you need to solicit feedback by having a listening posture in your life. Well, like always, we get into these discussions and we realize we have a lot more to say about them than we, we often understand at the beginning. Always. And we certainly used our word quota today, didn't we, Kent? We did. Yes, which is good. And so we hope it's been valuable for you, Growth Junkies, and we appreciate you on a regular basis pulling us up on the, all the, the various different platforms and, and checking in with the things that we're talking about. If you want to learn more about Love and Transformation Institute, which produces this podcast, The Growth Junkies, you can do so at our website, loveandtransformation.org. We also referred to the Four Dimensions of Human Health curriculum, which is available for download right now for free on our website if you join our email list for Integrating Insights, which is a weekly email that goes out from the Institute also, and the various different resources and things that we have that are available there. So we really appreciate you, our listeners, and the time that you take. We hope these things are helpful to you. I think they're helpful to us, Kent, (laughs) as we continue to discuss them. And we really look forward to doing this for you and being with you next time.